We live in a magical world of options, a world of either-ors. In ages and times past, in an agrarian society, for example, the options were slimmer. You would likely be born on a farm. If you survived, you would work on that farm potentially inherit the farm, build a family on the farm, and then be buried on that farm. But in modern times, in an industrial age of advanced tech and travel, we've got options. We've got either-ors. We could live here, or we could live there. We could pursue this career, or we could pursue that career. We can go to this restaurant or that restaurant, pursue this school or that school. We can choose this form of entertainment or that form of entertainment, this sport or that sport. The list could go on and on and on. We live in a magical world of options, of either-ors. But even with all of the options before us, we are still limited. Limited by means by geography, by ability or gifting. We're even limited by our clock, by our calendar. Even in a world of options, we are very limited. And it may go without saying, but this is because we're not omnipresent. We can't be in the same place at the same time. We can't be in two places at the same time. And so we live all of our days with a series of affirmations, of negations, a series of decisions, a series of either-ors before us. And with each affirmation, with each decision made, whether you are younger or you are long-standing here in this room, our lives inevitably move in either one direction or another. Well, in our psalm this morning, we come face-to-face with the greatest either-or in all of our lives. In our psalm, we find a tale of two roads, two ways, two ways of living with two two destinations, one of wickedness and one of blessing, one of unrighteousness and one of righteousness. And the question is, what road are you on today? Well, please turn with me in your Bible, if you haven't already, to Psalm 1. It's good and right to open the first psalm on the first day of the year. Amen? Amen. We're going to be living in these six verses this morning, so you'll be helped to keep your Bible open to them. If you don't have a Bible, please grab one from under a chair near you. You could find Psalm 1 on page 418. 418. Please follow along as I read. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. 
He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is God's word to the church. Thanks be to God. Let's say that together. Thanks be to God. Amen. I'm going to read and then we're going to walk through this psalm this morning. Let me pray. Father, we ask now that you would speak to us from heaven through your living word. Open the eyes of our hearts. We ask that you would renew our minds. Cause us to behold your glory in the face of your son, Jesus. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. It's the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, to guide our time together, here's what you should write down in your notes. The first word in your 2023 notebook. Here it is. Here's the big idea in the outline of Psalm 1. The blessed delight in God's word and in God's way. The blessed delight in God's word verses 1 through 4, and in God's way, verses 5 through 6. Point one, the blessed delight in God's word. Well, Psalm 1 is like a gate, a gate that opens into a lush and beautiful garden, and that garden is the Psalter, all 150 of the Psalms. And historically, Psalms 1 and 2 are read together. But we're going to focus on Psalm 1, on just these six verses this morning. But again, Psalm 1 is like a gate. And when we walk up to this gate, we find four words across the arch, across the top of the gate. And it's the first words, the first four words of Psalm 1, verse 1. If you know them, say them with me. Blessed is the man. Now, your Bible may have a note there on the word man, and a quick word on that. Man here is not gender exclusive. It is gender inclusive in the Hebrew. So this term includes both men and women. So it could be read, blessed is the godly person. Well, there's no such thing as coincidence in God's world, and there's no coincidence that this psalm, and really the whole book of the psalms, starts with these words. And the first question that we should be asking ourselves, the first questions, are these. What does the word blessed mean? What does a blessed life look like? What does it look like to be hashtag blessed? Well, the word blessed in the Hebrew means happy. A blessed life is a happy life. A happy life is a blessed life. And so I wonder how you think about happiness this morning. What makes you happy? It's a new year. And I'm sure that 
you have goals, and those goals are connected to what makes you happy or what you believe or what you think will make you happy this year. So what do you think about happiness? How do you think about happiness? It's an important question because according to this psalm, there is a godly way to think about it, and there is a worldly way to think about it. And so here's what the psalmist says about true blessing, about true happiness in this life. He gives us here in verse 1 three negatives, and then he gives us one positive and a connected poetic word picture or analogy in verses 2 through 4. Here are the three negatives of verse 1. In order to live the blessed life, we must first not walk in the counsel of the wicked. In contrast, the blessed person, the blessed person seeks the counsel and will of God and walks in the same direction as God's will with his help. Second, in order to live the blessed life, we must not stand in the way of sinners, according to verse 1. To stand in or for something is to be established, grounded in it. So in contrast, the blessed person does not seek sin. Instead, he or she repents of it and doesn't stand entrenched in it with the help of the Spirit. Third, in order to live the blessed life, we must not sit in the seat of scoffers. The blessed godly person does not sit or mock or jeer or slander God, his people, nor any image-bearing person on this earth. So do you desire to be happy and blessed this year in 2023? Then pursue walking with God in obedience and faith and go to war against any desire or delight in worldly wickedness, sin, or scoffing. The writer and preacher Christopher Ashe says this about this verse, blessing comes to the one who emphatically does not march to the beat of the world's drum. Brothers and sisters, the blessed walk, march alongside God to the beat of his word. And are those who, verse 2, look there with me, delight in the law of the Lord and meditate upon it day and night. The blessed delight in God's law, in God's word. The word law means instruction. The psalmist has in view here the first five books of the Old Testament. The Torah, or what Joshua 1.8 calls the book of the law. But if we were reading this psalm as Christians then we recognize that God's instruction is found in all of God's word, in what Acts 20, 27 calls the whole counsel of God. God's word, church, from Genesis to Revelation, ought to be our delight. For it is breathed out by God for, and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And God's Word sustains us, sustains us. 
1975, after Vietnam fell, there was a man named Haiyan Pham, an English translator for missionaries there in Vietnam, who was taken into custody by the government for aiding and abetting Americans during the war. He was prisoned, beaten weekly, starved, made to do the worst of chores, and consistently was indoctrinated by the guards into godless conformity to communist ideals while being imprisoned. And yet he daily woke up, he meditated upon the scriptures that he had memorized, didn't have a physical Bible then, that he had memorized, he prayed to the Christian God, and he went about his chores. Well, as the story goes, told by many before me, after seven long years, seven years of indoctrination and suffering, he broke. He decided that maybe God was not there. He figured that he would renounce God and give up on daily meditation. Well, it was on his seventh year anniversary of imprisonment while he was completing one of the routine chores of cleaning the prison toilets, that something caught his eye. It was what seemed to be an English piece of paper with English printed on it. He grabbed it and washed it, and late in the night, he took the paper and read the words, Romans chapter 8. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. For I am convinced that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, after finding the scripture in the toilet, Pham asked his commander if he could clean the toilets regularly. Because he discovered that one of the officials was using a Bible as toilet paper. So each time that he went to the toilet, he would find a, a piece of scripture, he would clean it off, he would hide it away, and then he would collect it and read it in his nightly reading. Brothers and sisters, the God who meticulously guides all of life according to his providence and mercy and grace sustained and upheld this man, upheld Pham in his darkest hours, even when he had given up. How? By his word. We may not have a story as extreme as Pham's, but God's word is our light in the darkness. God's word is our guide in all seasons of life. For it is sufficient for faith and for practice. It is our compass. It is our guide. It is our atlas. It is our food and fuel. It contains the very heart and mind of God. It contains the condition of man and the way of true, blessed salvation and happiness. It is holy and perfect. It is wisdom. It is infallible and it is immutable. It is a wealth of mercy. It is a fountain of goodness, a garden of life and glory. Its words contain a bottomless ocean of grace. Do you believe it? Do you believe that? Brothers and sisters, God's word is good and worthy to be, as verse 2 says, delighted in, in season and out, in times of joy and in times of sorrow, 
We are to meditate upon it, memorize it, read it aloud, day and night. In a world of counterfeit blessing, God's word is the real McCoy. It's the real deal. In a world of counterfeit delights, God's word is true delight. In a world of counterfeit prosperity, God's word brings true prosperity to the one that delights in it. So how do you plan to delight in God's word this year? Have you chosen a Bible reading plan? Have you found someone to read scripture with you, to pray scripture with you, and to keep you accountable to these disciplines? We have several recommended plans, and they were mentioned earlier by Pastor Jeff. They're there on the bookstall. If you have more questions, you can reach out to the church office this week. Also, after service today or at some point today or, or next week, we would like to offer you a book. It's a book by Don Whitney called Praying the Bible. It'll be a great, uh, it'll have be, it'll be a great assist to you as you pray and read and disciple this year. If you have young children, how do you plan to give them the gift of Scripture this year? How are you planning on doing that? Let me encourage you to read a psalm or a psalm or two in the morning and evening or one or the other, or pick up a Jesus storybook Bible or another storybook Bible from our bookstall this month. Join a women's Bible study. Join a men's Bible study. Join one of our care groups. Do this to delight in God's word with others this year. Do you want to be blessed and prosper in 2023, then dwell in God's word. The church, let's, let's be real. We don't always desire God's word. Uh, we don't, sometimes we don't feel blessed, nor content, nor prosperous, even as Christians. We sometimes feel far from God. If you've been alive and a Christian for any season of life, then you have wrestled with God. When the darkness and the sadness and sorrow is so great that you can't see clearly, when our hearts ache and we don't desire the Lord and we're just tired. Or when we've hit a breaking point, we finally admit that the world might, might just be fine without us. Where do we turn when there's no place left to turn? Well, the Christian life is for those who have asked that question and who have come to an end of themselves. For it is at the end of ourselves that we find comfort and nourishment from Christ and his word. That is where we find sweetness in the midst of the bitterness, the utter bitterness of this life. So if you're struggling, let me encourage you to seek Christ, his word, and his people the gift of his people that is put around you even today 
So on that point, who knows you and is walking with you this year? Who is going to be there to remind you of the goodness and the mercy of God when the lights are fully on or the lights are fully off? God has given us his son, his word, and his church to help us in the midst of this life. So today, no matter what's happened this past year, encourage you to turn to God, turn to his word, for his mercies are new each day, and his mercies are new each year. And if you do, you will be or become like a flourishing tree firmly planted by a flowing stream. This is what we see in the poetic imagery here in verses three through four. Look there with me. He the blessed person is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Isn't this a glorious picture of life and vitality? I love it. And where is the psalmist getting this imagery? Well, trees... Plants, vines, have a unique place in the redemptive storyline of Scripture. From the two trees in the Garden of Eden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, to God's people being called a vine, a fig tree, early on in the Old Testament and throughout the Old Testament, to Jesus' own language about himself being the vine and his people being a part of that vine in the New Testament to finally the tree of life being mentioned again several times in Revelation, all the way up to the end of Revelation. It's all connected. The psalmist is picking up this theme of of Scripture that is far greater than mere bark and leaf. It has deep theological significance and is a picture of life, spiritual rootedness, and blessing. Further, to be planted in something, to be a, a tree like this, is to be established, grounded, resolved in a specific way of life. And so here's what the psalmist is saying here. Show me a living and vibrant tree and I'll show you a firmly planted, unwavering tree with a root system that is deep in the nourishment of rich soil and water. Likewise, show me a truly blessed person and I'll show you a prosperous, unwavering, unwithering person, no matter what circumstances come in this life, one that is firmly planted in the living water of God's word. In contrast, verse four, show me a wicked and worldly person and I will show you a person loosely tossed to and fro by the winds of this world, like a thin drifting shell from a husk of wheat one who may appear to flourish today, but will not on the last day. So are you planted in God's word? Does this imagery characterize your life or are you drifting? Are you delighting in God's word or are you not? Church, 
to be truly blessed is to know God, to be in relationship with God, and to delight in the Word of God, and also the way of God. That brings us to point two, the blessed delight in God's way. Let me read verses five through six once again. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Here, this tale of two roads comes to a head, comes to a close. And any time we see a therefore in Scripture, we should ask, what's it there for? Well, in light of all that the psalmist has written, he is driving home the point that there really are only two roads, two ways to live in this life. Two ways that lead into the next. They don't intertwine. They are at odds. We can't be on both roads at the same time because, again, we can't be in two places at the same time. We are walking one way or we are walking the other way. There is no third way here. We're either delighting in walking with God and planted in his word, or we are walking away or against him with the world. And this is the greatest either or of our lives. Back in verse one, the psalmist confronted us with this truth, that there are only two ways in this life. He's pressing further into this reality here in verses five through six. So here, again, is his concluding point. We are either, verse five, standing with God in the congregation of the righteous, or we are standing against him in the congregation of the wicked. We are delighting in his righteous way, the way that he knows, or we are walking and delighting in the ways of this world, a way that will, at the close of verse six, what's that word? A way that will perish. And we need to catch this. Here, the psalmist is lifting our eyes out of the present moment to the future, to that last day, where ultimately we see two final destinations in view, two climaxes of these roads, one of judgment from God forevermore, and the other of life with God in his righteous congregation forevermore. A line has been drawn here, a line of present and future reality, a dividing line between God's people, the church, and the world, a line between those together in salvation and in righteousness and those together in damnation and unrighteousness. And make no mistake, on the last day, we'll stand in the judgment, no matter what. No one will escape that. And newsflash, we all deserve to go and die the way of the wicked. All of us in this room. There is no one righteous. No, not one. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, and therefore, we often fail. We walk, and we stand, and we sit in opposition to God. If we're honest with ourselves, we are far from perfect in what we delight in. We often confuse true blessing from false blessing. We do this all day, every day. We often choose our own way over God's way. We do this knowingly 
and unknowingly. But there is one blessed man. There is one blessed man who is the way, the truth, and the life. What is his name? Say it with me. Jesus. It's Jesus. There is one blessed man who God has called his son with whom he is well pleased. What is his name? Say it with me. It's Jesus. There is one blessed man who according to John 15 is the true vine, a thriving tree that bears much fruit. What's his name? Jesus. There's one blessed man who 1 Corinthians 1.30 calls the wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption of God. What's his name? Jesus. There is one blessed man who Revelation 19.11 calls faithful and true and will in righteousness judge and make war on the last day. What's his name? Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the fully, truly blessed man of Psalm 1. Jesus perfectly delighted and meditated on God's word day and night. Jesus is not a way. Jesus is the way. And he is true righteousness. And so in light of him, there are two ways to read this psalm. Two ways. We can read this psalm like a Pharisee, a legalist, and say to ourselves, I must do better. I got to be better. I got to walk better. I got to plant deeper. And I got to delight harder this year in order to be a blessed person. Or we can read it as a Christian saved by grace alone and say, Christ has done the work. He is my righteousness. He is my hope today and on the last day. And because of his life and death and resurrection for a sinner like me, I will stand in the congregation of the righteous today, presently, and forevermore. And because of my love for him, because of my love for him, then I will delight in his word. Because of my love for him, I will meditate upon it. Because of my relationship and desire to walk in obedience with him, I will fight sin and make no provision for it. And I will walk as the blessed in holiness, in righteousness, in obedience in this life. Because of him and because of his righteousness imputed to me, I am a blessed son or daughter with whom God is well pleased. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is not a tag on to this psalm. He's the point of it. He's the point of it. And if you are in him and you have repented of your sin and believed upon him, you're holding fast to the gospel, his life and death and resurrection, his ascension and his promised return. You've believed in him for salvation, then you are the blessed person of this psalm. You're in Christ you are standing with him today. It's a present reality. So continue walking with him and delighting in his word and way with his help. 
And if you have not repented of your sin, if you have not believed on him for salvation, then you are walking the road away from him. On that road that, that walks contrary to him. And on the last day, when you stand in the judgment, you will not be standing with Jesus. So turn to Christ today. If you have questions about this, I'm going to be standing in the back after the service where you can find Pastor Jeff after the service. We would love to talk with you about what a truly blessed life looks like. We would love to talk with you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if you are a Christian, if you are one who is in Christ by grace, through faith, on this side of glory, what are the characteristics of a blessed life according to Christ himself? What are the characteristics, the ongoing marks of the people of God as we walk the righteous road together? What are those characteristics? Well, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus picks up the truth of Psalm 1 and expounds upon it and tells us the characteristics and marks here starting in verse 3. Let me read those for us. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Brothers and sisters, these are the marks of a blessed life. These are the marks of a prosperous, godly person. These are the characteristics of a person who delights in God's word and way according to Jesus himself. So with the new year upon us, 
with 2023 here today. Let's walk together as blessed men and women bearing these characteristics, the characteristics of both Psalm 1 and of Matthew 5, delighting in God as those planted by the stream of his living eternal word. And let's pursue together the righteous road looking to Christ until he appears and we are fully like him and we see him as he is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a new year with new mercies. We pray that that you would bless us and that you would keep us and that your face would shine upon us. Lord, we praise you for sending your son, Jesus. And Jesus, we praise you as the truly blessed one. And Spirit, we ask that you would help us in our weakness to look to Christ, to look to him for hope and grace and mercy each day. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Amen.